All right, I'm going to go out on a limb and hope that the microphone is working because all the studio monitors simultaneously shut off, which you know what that means? Radio happened right now, and we're just going to, you know, this is what we do. We're professionals, and we're going to wing it. This is your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me in studio today is Katie Shuck. And also one of our favorite attorneys. Derek Simmons. How is it that you get on the show so often? I have an in with the guy that does the show. I see. Is it, I'm, I'm like waiting for that. So we're just doing trade out. I've right? got dirt on him. That's what. Oh, that's it. Oh, I, wow, well, does he I, know that? I was going <laughs> to say you have breakfast with him because I'm pretty sure there's a standing breakfast date. They're all related. It's yes. All related. All of the above. And then some. So welcome, gang. And as you know, we talk about all things finance, some things more relevant to your life than others. And today is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I feel like it's been a little while since we've talked about the actual investment markets. I mean, okay. we talked, like, we, we talked about, about go-karts a lot last week. <laughs> and we're coming back to St. James Day here in about uh, three weeks. Is that happening? It is. It's happening. All the, all the NCAA tournament games are being hosted in Indiana this year. And actually, St. James Day, which is the Friday, the first Friday of the NCAA tournament, is actually the first day of games this year. Usually it's the second day. So this really is a hallmark. The NCAA is now coming around to embrace the St. James Day way of life. Uh-huh. It took them long enough. It's true. It's true. Stjamesday.com is where all your details are. So then you think we're teasing, but this is this is actually it's, real. It's true. So it's we've true. talked about this on the program before, but uh, well, look. Uh, so I guess we can. You know, that's that's a novel. And historically, our office has celebrated St. James Day. However, COVID has thrown all kinds of wrenches in that. All kinds. So we'll see what that may or may not look like. But my suspicion is it will still be sort of a watered-down version this year. I was going to say, I'm pretty certain that no matter what, the screen will be lowered, the game will be playing, and I will feel like I have courtside seats regardless of where I'm at in the office. As it is supposed to be on St. James Day. I I will just say that uh, we, I have not tracked anything this year in terms of relevancy of my favorite teams, any of it. I I guess they're playing basketball. Well, since you ask, yes, Kansas, I think, was uh, ranked number 23 last week after falling out of the top 25 for one week for the first time since 2009. Yeah, well, and I'm relatively sure that the Tar Heels still have a basketball team, but beyond that, <laughs> I, I, Who knows? are they playing? I, have, I think I, it's co-ed and intramural, but okay. It sounds like <laughs> oh. it sounds like the way it's been going down. So uh, Indiana, let's talk a little. Though, huh? <laughs> I, I'm it- going to pivot. <laughs> You're going to talk about the market. Well, yeah, I'm going to pivot from basketball. Okay. Pun, pun, pun. I'll, and, I'll bring us back. It's okay. And and yes, well, this will be. Well, you can always tell who wants to talk about the nerdy stuff, and then everybody else goes, nobody wants to listen to the nerdy stuff. And I go, well, well okay. then why are they here? We're okay talking about the nerdy stuff as long as we can translate. Fair enough. So there may be some basketball metaphors used today. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. So there's all kinds of stuff that's going on in the world that's really interesting right now, and I'm going to espouse one of my conspiracy theories of the day that's actually not a conspiracy theory. And okay, that it was is. a big lead-in. <laughs> I know. What is driving uh, the stock market, the real estate market, the energy markets? I mean, so many markets all over the world right now. What is driving them? Well, it's a major contributing factor. It's so, it's almost a theme across 
all of the investment marketplaces right now. And I know this sounds like hyperbolic in a sense, but no, it, it, it's really connected to virtually everything. In the investment market. In the investment landscape. It seems like everything is really expensive. So I think it's really expensive, but it's a variable in the equation itself. Okay. Interest rates. What? Interest rates. Explain. Okay. So here's a really interesting thing about the way that market analysts think. Risk is all relative, right? But relative to what? That's a good question. So there is something in the financial lexicon, right? In If you're to talk to the financial analysts and all the real nerdy folks that love their calculators and their abacus, what is it? Uh, the risk-free rate of return is associated with the yield of the 10-year treasury bond or which treasury is, note. Which is super low. Currently, it's about 1.3%. That's lower than inflation, though. That, or, but we haven't really had an inflationary event. That depends event. on how you measure it. Because okay. we keep sort of jockeying around the measuring stick, and it depends on what's in that equation for inflation, too, right? Because if there's one thing that we know, right, that there are three kinds of lies in this world, right? <laughs> I got this. Lies and statistics. Correct. <laughs> See, I jumped in with the answer. I knew it, too. Yeah, thank you. Where's, where's, do we have buzzers or bells? Can Derek and I have a competition today? We, we need buzz. Not you. It doesn't oh, count wait. if the bell's on your side when you're asking the question there, Alex Trebek. So, yeah, God rest his soul. So, here is the issue if I bring it all back. Okay. So, the statistics issue is, again, how are you measuring? It turns out you can tell a lot of stories with statistics if you frame the question to answer it a certain way. This is also the reason that polling data can be really obnoxious. Right. Because, you know, I've taken polls before where it's like, you just asked me the same question seven different ways. Like you were fishing for a certain answer. And that's because they were. <laughs> and the poor gal asking me the survey, I remember, was like, Oh, that that was that was a rough one, and she said, "Yes, it was." <laughs> she agreed with you. I I have to stay on script, sir. I'm sorry. Like you keep asking me this, I, I'm just reading what they tell me. <laughs> it was it's actually almost cute, but but you're right though. The poll, like even polls statistics are skewed because it depends on who answers. Well, the story is that, but but you, the, it, the it was relative to inflation, right? And how do we measure the risk-free rate of return? Keep in mind that the 10-year treasury was a yield of about 0.5. So one half of 1% in August. So or or 0.6. And now it's at 1.3. So it's more than doubled since August. Wow. Right? So in the last eight months, or really less than that, last six months, it has doubled. So that sounds like the market is sensing more risk. Well, if it's not risk, what is it telling us? Like, what does it really mean when interest rates go up? Well, it means there's less borrowing power. Well, no, that's a result, actually. Okay. That's true. It means less because borrowing power. Because you've talked power, about the fact but, that but you can borrow less. But what does it actually tell you as interest rates go up? That the economy is stabilizing? Not so I'm going to fish I'm more. Swinging. I'm swinging I, for the fences okay. here. It's okay. I mean, this is very Socratic right now, but I, that's I'm okay. Hitting, I'm hitting foul balls, but I'm still <laughs> swinging for the fences. Well, ask more questions. I'll help. So the first of all, 
when when something happens, you have to, this is a question that's not often asked. How do interest rates get set? Now, this is sort of a trick question. Because how do you think interest rates get set? Well, the Federal Reserve sets a rate. Correct. And then the rest of them tend to follow under market forces and variations and stuff. And that's really the the part that you said that I believe is what I'm again fishing for really hard here. Well, what I heard so you subtle. say was I use some different bait, David. Answer. Use some yes. different bait. So, <laughs> nope, because Derek got it. Ah. The reality is he bit. market forces determine interest rates. Okay? We have different agencies that can set parameters and conditions. And what they're really doing is they're affecting the supply and demand curve by affecting the players involved. There's two primary levers. And and here's how this all I'm going to I'm going to make it all fit together, okay? And then we're coming back to Indiana for more basketball. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Sure. Ahead. So I'm going to I'm going to try to help tell this story so that all of our listeners I don't want to use a bunch of financial nerd speak here, but I got to use some of the language so you get it. The two primary levers are fiscal policy and monetary policy. Okay. okay? Now, fiscal policy has to do with what happens in Washington DC. Think about it like the laws that are made around how your money gets taxed and the regulations for how companies operate and whether or not it's more expensive or less expensive to operate. Okay, so if you have lots and lots of regulations, does that make it more expensive or cheaper to operate? More, more expensive. expensive. Correct. So if you have a fiscal environment where you see lots of regulations, that's an operating cost that's harder for the business to overcome. It will make it more expensive to operate, which tends to affect margins, right? Which tends to change the demand for something because it changes the cost of running the business. Right. So the business has these other variables that change the cost, which changes the price of the product, which then shifts the supply and demand curve. Everybody's right. following me now, right? Yep. Most of the way. So I, I've gotten to the part where the fiscal policy makes it more expensive to operate. Can, can right? Because you can also have it loose sure. fiscal policy, can, right? Can make it more uh, expensive to, for a business to operate. So then it needs more money. And does that constrict or that, that increases demand? Or No, it's, it passes the cost. It's not necessarily demand. It, it passes. There. I got it. No. it pa I, got, I got this one. I'm tagged Ooh. in. It passes the cost to the consumer, right? So if you normally made a widget for $20 and now it's cost the company more to make it because the policy got more restrictive, then that cost gets passed to the consumer and now the widget may cost $22 or $25. So, and then the supply, based on what the economy is willing to pay for it, may determine how much of the widget's actually purchased now because so, now it's more yeah, expensive. I mean, like, kind of, sort of, lots of, there are lots of the parts that are, you know, what I'm spelling out here, right? It's... If the company, if it costs more to deliver the product to market, then they charge more for the product. Then the demand, either the demand has to increase so that people are willing to pay more, or if the demand stays the same and it costs more, then they're going to sell less of it. So remember, supply and demand are two different things. Demand is how much people are willing to, like, how badly do they want it. But right? if so the if demand you, stays the same, why would it affect it that way? It, because if the price goes up, then it's effectively changing the supply at the price. So you, you know, if you if something costs more, then the demand at one price is different than the demand at a higher price. It's lower demand at a higher price. Well, so that's the assumption. Force, 
demand almost always falls when right. So right. Yeah. No, I mean that's 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 economic. So we're talking economic theory here. That's not an assumption, right? Now some things are fairly price inelastic, which means like if you have to have it, right? Like this is then. And here's a good example. This happened. A few years ago, remember when the EpiPens went through the roof? Yeah, I remember okay. you complaining and about that, was, that too. That was one of those things where, you know, oh my gosh, an EpiPen went from being $50 to $350. And people just had to pay it because it was the only supplier and they were a hostage. Right. Right. So the demand in that case was really inelastic. It's like they were going to pay what they had to pay. It just really hurt. And so, you know, eventually the government stepped in for price gouging and that the CEO of that company literally went to jail over it. Right. So it was it was because effectively price gouging and because we have politicians that don't want to see that happen. We have politicians and, that need EpiPens. <laughs> well, and and I will flat out back them up on this, that if you uh, if you monopolize something through patents and particular things that just happen to manipulate the supply of a, you know something that's uh, a life saving. And really what it was was the delivery mechanism. It wasn't the insulin itself it, or the insulin. It was the epinephrine rather in the EpiPen, but it was the delivery mechanism that had this patent issue. The reality is they don't have a problem with that, but I do have a problem if you can't get, like if the FDA refuses to let you have any other delivery mechanism, Yeah, it's like, well, wait a second now, how did we just create this issue? So there are, that's an example of a regulatory moat or a regulation that makes business super expensive, makes it near impossible to get competitors in, and now you're manipulating the supply and demand But at some curve. point, you're going to tie this to interest rates. I'm going to bring it all back because I'm going to ask a question that you can't answer until after this break, Derek. And the question is, do companies pay taxes? No, no, no. no, no, no that's right. Stick around. We'll be right back and answer that question tomorrow. Like, what is what's going on with these interest rates? But we got to take this break first. So uh, we'll be right back after this obscene profit break. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Thanks for tuning in on your favorite Tuesday you have had all week. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. In studio with me is... Katie Shuck. And... They finally took the gag off. That's right. Thank you. Derek Simmons. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Now, we had a key question, and if you're wondering what it was before the break... First of all, I'm going to remind you, check out our podcast. It will post tomorrow where you can listen to the entire show because I know if you've got real life or a commercial or you're picking your kids up or something and you got to duck in and out and you're like, oh, I missed the best part. That's true. You totally did. So listen tomorrow. You can go to our website at littlejohnfs.com, go under the educate tab and you can grab that podcast and check out the whole show. Derek, here's my key question for you. And my favorite one. Do corporations or companies in general pay taxes? No. What? No, it doesn't matter. You can crank up the corporate tax rate as high as you want, and corporations do not pay taxes. They're- but there's a corporate tax rate. Now, wait but, a but, minute. But, 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 but what? There was a politician that told me that, you know, we're going to stick it to the man. The money comes out of people's pockets, the owners, the employees. It comes out of people's pockets. And the corporations go get the money from their customers. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that every buyer pays. If at, at its Wait, end. you're trying to tell me that taxes are just another input variable and the cost of doing business? One might argue that, yes. Oh, my but, gosh. But it's important to know. When we say increase taxes on corporations, you're saying just increase my prices. 
That's what you're saying. Or, and increase my taxes. Right. Increase I'm, my I'm deduction. Stock, yeah. If I'm in the stock market. If I have money in the 401k, the 401k owns shares in corporations. And when you tax it, you're taxing my 401k. So yeah. corporations do not pay taxes. People pay taxes. And this is, if I, if I could get like a message out on a megaphone, it would be keep in mind that what the government is doing doing for the most part when it comes to taxes is it's looking for ways to insert itself in the stream of cash flow through your life or through it at any phase that it finds where it can collect some of that to use for its operating purposes and then that can be in the form of fees or it could be in the form of uh well, I'm mean, the actual taxes themselves. I'm, they're ter- I'm thinking of like funny things like, oh, anytime you go, you know, hotel tax or how about oh, gas. The little gasoline well, has taxes, gas cell taxes. phones have taxes. That's the thing is there's all these usage fees, too. I mean, if you want to use the, the parks in Douglas County to park there, you, you pay a fee just to park there. That's actually a form of tax. It's going to the government agency that's running that park. Right. Or at least it's su- supposedly going there. Right. And, and I think by and large it is, just so we're clear. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to throw the government under the bus for doing this, but I am trying to help everybody out there that says, well, you know what, if corporations would just pay their share in taxes, and I do a facepalm every time I hear that because they go, you're bought into something a politician says because it's easy, well, right? Because, because, it, because if, you're, if somebody else has a lot and you don't, it's like they should t- share. But it's a numbers game, right? Because there's way more employee working people than there are owners of companies but right it's, and it's so it's not just that but it's this an is, easier sell as well, a politician it's, no it's to the larger to masses on somebody that's got a gazillion dollars because look if you say like warren buffett even warren buffett says yeah my tax rate should be higher it's really convenient to say because warren buffett's net worth is tied up in ownership right he's not taking a salary where he's getting paying a, an income tax which is a graduated scale Right. He's paying capital gains or dividend distributions, which is a different tax. It's not the same as income tax. Right. And so Jeff Bezos, Microsoft, right. Bill Gates. The dude is worth gajillions. Right. (laughs) And roughly technical term. Yeah. Gajillions. And and so everybody's like, well, he should pay his fair share in taxes. Like, So Bill Gates pays numerically lots of money in taxes and he donates money like crazy. And, I, and, and just for the record, I don't think he's trying to unleash a vaccine for mind control. Whoever thought of that idea, I'm like, oh, come on, dude. It's like he just wants to take over the world. No, he doesn't want to take over the world. Stop watching Pinky in the Brain. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's it's not that kind of evil scheme. You know, you may disagree with some of the things he wants to do, but it's I don't think it's nearly as like world domination and you know James Bond villain sinister as you may think. The issue though is that. Bill Gates is still, most of his net worth is in Microsoft stock, which means if he gets a dividend, you can tax that because that's cash that flowed through his life. But if he doesn't sell it, it doesn't flow, right? You have to sell something in order to, to realize a profit. And so how does the government tax something that's not moving? And if you say, well, we should just tax him for owning it. And then I go, danger, Right. Danger for you, for me, for everybody, because what you're saying is simply owning something means you should pay taxes on it. We're already doing that with a lot of property now. But where does it stop? At what point are you renting everything because you're going to be taxed on it no matter what? And I'll tell you what is the unintended consequence of suggesting that we should have a wealth tax on billionaires. 
Oh, it's the forced liquidation. Exactly. How do they pay the tax? Hey, you're worth $100 billion. You need to pay $10 billion in taxes. Now they have to sell their stock, which floods the market with more shares, lowers the value because you just changed the supply and demand. And think about those bazillionaires and how many government pensions own that stock. Well, yeah, then all my stuff that I own And now you think PERS is valuable. underfunded? What happens when you cause the stock market to fall by 20 30% because you force liquidate all the billionaires' private holdings and there's nobody to buy it? Yeah. And now you're saying, uh-oh, we just took every government pension in the country and made it insolvent. It's a terrible idea. And I'll just come right out on the radio and say it. It's a bad idea. It's not well thought through. And if you're out there saying we should do this, it's a sucker's bet. There, I said it. How do you really feel? Yeah, it drops mic. Well, but understanding how to connect those dots is not something that's always clear, I think, to the general public, right? I mean, listening to you lay it out, it's easy for me to go, oh, that makes sense. But nobody's ever explained it to me that way. Well, it's worse than that. People are intentionally manipulated. Well, and we need to acknowledge that there needs to be taxes. Absolutely. We need to have taxes. Yeah, I'm not even advocating there shouldn't be. I, I would I do not suggest we shouldn't pay taxes. I just think we need to be intellectually honest about the fact that it Zing. comes out of individuals' pockets. It's That's not it. other people. It's not nameless, faceless corporations. It's it's people. Right. And and I will take it even a step further than that. You remember a few years ago, Mitt Romney was really blasted for suggesting that 47% of the population doesn't pay taxes. Well, it was taken out of context. It, was, it means income taxes, because if you fall below a certain threshold, if you're below a tax threshold where you're, you're, you're getting earned income tax credits and you're getting uh, deductions or standard deductions that exceed right. your income, yeah, then it's, you, you get... effectively owe no income tax. Or if you're on fixed income and it's only Social Security, you may pay no income tax. Right. But you're still paying taxes, right? All of those things that you buy, every time you buy gas or every time you have a right. cell phone, like you pay taxes. So, and he was slayed for that one. <laughs> you know? And uh, again, it's all about context. But this part of this show is like, well, let's unpack some of this so people really get it. Okay, so let's go back to home base. Interest rates. rates. How do we get that from there to interest rates? It all ties together. Interest rates reflect purchasing power. Okay, so if interest rates are going up, does that mean we have more purchasing power or less? It technically should mean, and it doesn't always, right? But, But what it's implying is that purchasing power is declining. It, that the market expects purchasing power to decline. Correct. Because let's let me frame it differently. What is a 10-year treasury? If you buy Katie, if you buy a 10-year treasury, what's going on? I'm loaning the government my money and yes. they're going to pay me interest and then pay me back my loan at the end of 10 years. Yes. And so what do you think of if you are loaning somebody money? How much I'm going to get paid and whether or not that's a worthy investment to myself. And what your risk is to not get paid. Exactly. So first of all, can we agree that if the government is the one with the printing press, that it's a pretty low risk that they won't pay you back? We're going to get paid. We're going to get paid. Yeah, we're going to get paid. But that same government has a printing press. Did we mention the printing press? (laughs) And so the question is, Will you paid be paid back with dollars that have as much purchasing power In as what years. you loaned out? That is a risk. That is a risk. And so if 
somebody believes that the future value of a dollar is going to be lower than today's value, they will expect some form of adequate interest to offset that risk and to make sure they preserve their purchasing power. Now, if I tell you again, 10-year treasury notes had a, about a 0.5 or so percent yield in August, and today it's closer to 1.3. What does that imply is going on in the marketplace? The market expects inflation. The market expects inflation. Now, does it expect radical inflation? Don't know? Question mark. Well, what is what does radical mean? But okay. Well, does it expect? I mean, ra, I mean, yeah. These are all. Let me use really amorphous terms, right? So, like, so how about significant? Yeah. Uh, so, does it expect like ten like, percent? Yeah. Do you like, think it is? It, do you think it's got ten percent inflation? It doesn't feel like an emergency just yet. At one point three percent. Exactly. So this there, is there's going to be inflation, but it doesn't expect yeah. to be out of control at this point. So far, it looks pretty benign. But now let me ask a different question. What's going on with Bitcoin? Oh, we're going to talk about Bitcoin a little bit. Uh, well, I am not invested in Bitcoin myself. It's mm. gone down recently. Well, recently, but but it hit like all time highs this year. Like, well, it so, didn't it go up to like thirty something thousand? And in part because it's a it's a black box. I know more about mortgage backed securities than I know about <laughs> Bitcoin. So here's the thing. Um, I, I, Bitcoin matters. But you know what we'll do? Our Take listeners, you guys, if everybody's wondering, like, what's going on with Bitcoin? Let me do this. We'll take a break and then we will come back. And I want to talk about how Bitcoin actually fits into the interest rate equation. Because I told you there's this there's a thread, right? But. All right, we'll take the obscene profit break first, and then we'll be right back. So stick around. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Derek Simmons. And look, no muzzle this time. That's great. All right, Ooh. we'll be right back. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. So we are covering some ground today, and the theme, if you were wondering, is Kansas basketball it is not Kansas basketball. Oh, sorry, no, that would be so. That is but you know what's theme. interesting is it's Every not go karts. Okay. Not this week. <laughs> so are are you going to get a Jayhawk logo on your go kart? Well, I would have to get permission from the University of Kansas licensing department. Hey, David, give me time. By the way, if you did it, I don't know. But did you ever set up the email forwarding? Like, did you ever get yes. anything to go karts? Yes, we have gotten some emails at go kart. At littlejohnfs.com, we have. We yes, got we some. have. Yeah, so awesome. pe people are interested. At least four of them. So five. My husband is too. I know he didn't email. I've always liked that guy. Yes. Yeah. By the way, he said he would do the putt putt. Excellent. He's already agreed to do the golf. All right, look, we're halfway <laughs> to a fun center already. So, all right, if you're just joining us, you're going to have to check out the podcast. It'll be available to, available tomorrow at littlejohnfs.com, and that will get you brought up to speed. The theme, if you will, the unifying theme of everything we've talked about, and we have been all over the board, is how interest rates are affecting the markets and how this thread sort of ties so many things together. So at the break, what were we, what were we talking about? I was going to ask you guys a question about rates, wasn't I? We there was Bitcoin. 
That's what it was, Bitcoin. And it was how do interest rates tie into Bitcoin? That sounds right. Right. So first of all, you are such for, an for, for the for the <laughs> benefit of our listeners who are exceptional, talented, and brilliant, but just for those that haven't heard about what Bitcoin is, what is Bitcoin? Let me let me summarize it for you. So you've got these computers and data mining and then blockchain and blah, 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 blah. And then somehow it converts into gift cards. Close. That's my understanding. <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome except to the show, for, Derek Well, <laughs> except for the gift card part. Okay. I didn't understand okay. the gift card part. Neither did I. But that's that's a common theme with my understanding of Bitcoin. But Derek's trying to go buy Tesla with Bitcoin. So we're going to work well, on that. Well, that was going to be my joke. Is like, you know, so what does what is Tesla? So really, is what is Elon Musk, Twitter, Bitcoin, and interest rates? How are they all related? They're in some weird family. I don't know. No, no. Oh, idea. just just stick with me. We're going to do I'm, this. I'm with you. I, I'm waiting to see where you're heading. So I feel like we're going all, deep into the woods, though. Bitcoin is what is called a crypto, cryptocurrency. Right, so cryptocurrency is a digital currency. And that only works in graveyards. No. No, sorry. Wrong crypt. Yes. That was funny. That, though. Uh, Good job. Well done. Well played. Maybe. It depends on which one, I Have suppose. You tried it? There might be some people that look like they've crawled out of graveyards who are investing in Bitcoin, no, but cryptocurrency. Tell I'm us. just listening for the next promo that we're going to be producing. I just, I'm terrified that somebody's going to try to talk about investing in a graveyard. <laughs> Either it's like, does that mean like you're in the graveyard while you're investing, or you're actually investing in ownership of a graveyard? And I'm like, stop yes. it, please. Hunt. <laughs> so, cryptocurrency is actually a Digital currency. Yeah, right? it is. It's so. It's not in a, a brick and mortar a, bank. And it's it's. This is a weird explanation, but essentially, you do use computers to process a database, if you will, and that database has specific units that are created as you mine and do it. It's golly, I have to butcher this thing. Essentially, data mining, following an algorithm that creates units and it's a shared and distributed database but they aren't really gift cards not yet okay go ahead but the issue is that every time a unit of this database is mined it is sort of logged as a it becomes a, a virtual piece of currency or virtual you know currency like a bitcoin that's what it is all right so dictionary definition yeah let's try this better <laughs> a type of digital currency in which encryption techniques are used to regulate the generation of units of currency and verify the transfer of funds operating independently of a central bank bitcoin has become a hot commodity among uh, speculators and it also says a unit of bitcoin bitcoins can be used for online transactions between individuals so you're kind of taking your standard brick-and-mortar bank out of the middle of the transaction. It's, yeah, it has nothing to do with brick-and-mortar banks at all, nor does it look at all like a traditional currency. Think of it as a bunch of people got together and agreed that they were going to use crowdsourced computing to do cryptographic it's encryption. And then that encryption process leads to created units that are tracked on a chain of information that lots of computers are all sharing. That combined computing power is what creates the security and it logs the units that are created and those units have just become valuable. 
Now, there really is work being done. I mean, electricity and the computers and everything are doing these calculations and creating these units linked to these algorithms. And, and it's taken on a, its own animal now. I mean, now it's it's got value because people perceive it to have value. I think this might make more sense with illicit substances and Pink Floyd in the background. <laughs> But maybe not. That I think, might have I think been this how it is was just one of those up. where you can tell that because I don't understand the blockchain part of it really well, it makes it harder for me to explain. But what I do understand is that there are there will only be so many bitcoins that are ever mined. There's a finite number of them. And the tracking of the units that are mined in this shared computing scenario are being distributed amongst all of these different computers simultaneously so it's virtually unhackable because there's no computing power big enough to like Hack spoof that blockchain and so because it's so broadly distributed even supercomputers couldn't do it as fast as all of these others together that are watching it so you get a really clean custody record because all of these eyeballs are simultaneously watching it but it's also completely anonymous from the government right you it's it's encrypted and it's synced to so a person that has bitcoin their account is the government doesn't know what you have so it's like having digital gold it's a digitally created commodity there's a finite amount of it and once people think there's value in tradable it becomes valuable and now people are willing to pay with dollars to buy bitcoin so it is being exchanged, and in the laws of supply and demand, you can start to determine a price by what it's being exchanged for. Well, here's where the interest rates all come into play. Why would anybody go get Bitcoin? Because I thought it was interesting, <laughs> but I didn't Well, also... you, you got some four <laughs> I... years ago or something. Well, in theory, it is not going to be affected by the... Regulations coming from other countries? Yeah, because it's Or not, regulations it's coming from our country? That's what it is. It's not fiat. Right. We're talking what? about how they the, can't print more. Yeah. The government is printing and creating more dollars. And so we're already talking about how the, the purchasing power of the dollar, if you loan it out, you may get paid back with weaker dollars. Right. True. Less purchasing power. Right. Well, if Bitcoin has a finite number of units similar to gold. Right. Then if they make more dollars, your supply is fixed. Right. The supply of Bitcoin is fixed. So the demand can fluctuate. Well, the supply of dollars is not fixed. So more dollars chased after the same amount of Bitcoin. Bitcoin becomes more valuable. So in theory, it should ultimately go up over time, no matter what. Anyway, in, in theory, unless especially people if interest rates are stop rising, stop thinking it has value. And this is where Elon Musk comes into play and why Twitter matters. First, Elon says, hey, you know, Tesla goes out and we bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. And everybody went, and you think, Tesla huh. went, bought Bitcoin, and, I want and, Bitcoin. And, and, and then everybody flocks to it, and the price goes from 40000 Bitcoin to 58000 I kind of feel like this is weeks. the GameStop thing all over again. Kind like someone of. says something on a social media network, and all of a sudden everybody goes, ooh, I got to have it. Massive, massive center of influence, right? right? And then Elon Musk tweets like two days ago and says, it, I think it might be kind of expensive. And even today, it was down almost 12%. It's back down to 47,000. So it's, you've lost over $10,000 of value from 58 down to 47 and change in like two days. Yeah, it's crazy. So, and Tesla stock, by the way, has also fallen about 15% in two days. So very aggressive moves. Now, how does this all tie together again? Well, if Bitcoin is supposed to be a hedge against inflation, well, either inflation's going to go bananas 
right? Because Bitcoin has gone up like 700% this year or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. So either inflation, it's like every house on the market, oh, your starter home for $200,000, guess what? It's one and a half million dollars. Oh. Well, if that were the only variable. Correct. Then we then we might see that, but it's not the only variable. It's not, because that's what Elon Musk kind of proves, is this is a super trendy thing with a lot of bandwagon fans that have jumped on. So just as many people that can jump on to generate a bubble, much like GameStop, as many people could also quickly jump off and go head for the hills. So Bitcoin, there's no guarantee that Bitcoin's going to $100,000 or it's going to zero. True. So I do have an interesting theory about Bitcoin, though, and whether or not it's ever, like, like, like does Bitcoin replace the dollar? Mm, I don't think so. The unified, Dave's unified theory of Bitcoin. <laughs> well, I'll keep it really simple. I don't think it does. And there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of them is because of the IRS. Okay. When in our, I mean, like already we are attempting to limit black market economies. Most states have a sales tax so that even if you were using cash, you have to pay the sales tax when there's a transaction involved. It's only direct bartering that you can get away with stay it. Stay away from. And if, a company like Tesla says, hey, you can buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. Then is what's the IRS going to do? They're going to find a way to tax track it. the transaction. Sort of, yeah. Right? right. You're supposed to pay taxes on it even if you, even if it's not tracked. Well, that's just the not thing. a reporting mechanism in Bitcoin. Not yet. But if you have companies like PayPal that are essentially credit card vendors that are tracking this stuff, it's only a matter of time before the IRS can say, look, we can figure out that you're doing it. We may not be able to tell how much you have, but we could tell when you do transactions in it. And so it's it's a recipe for like a value add tax or something like that. Huh, that's so, interesting. So I don't think the IRS lets this slide. So if Bitcoin ever is to be legitimized, it would be like trying to use gold coins to buy stuff, right? I, I mean- like, uh, Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that's my point is that for folks that believe that Bitcoin is the great frontier, I'm like, I'm not saying it won't be an investment. It won't stick around and hold value. I'm just saying I don't see a pathway where you're going to get tax-free exchanges and government anonymity forever. You know, you might be able to hide the asset digitally, but what good is an asset if you can't spend it? That's true. Right? So that's the issue. Hence the is, gift cards. Yeah. So hence the gift cards. <laughs> See, I got your back, I Derek. Come back. Thank yeah. you. And, <laughs> You're and so And so we are now accepting our Bitcoin gift cards, right? Yep. All right. Well, look, so enough about Bitcoin. We'll bring it all home, but let's take our last break of the day. And then when we come back, we can talk about, so what do interest rates mean to you as an investor in the various assets and what should we be looking for? That and more when we come back, but we have to take our last obscene profit break of the day. So stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Derek Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Uh, in studio with me today is Katie Shuck and Derek Simmons. I, I'm sorry, I forgot to do the. the he didn't thing. point. You give the point. The yeah, I just gave helpful. that. I gave like the nod and the like the, the stare, and it was like, oh, that's me. Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in today. We've been talking about a lot of uh, well, novel the theme stuff has here. been interest rates. We've been talking about how it affects a bunch of things. Well, it's how interest rates just tie all these things in the market together and what it really comes down to is these are two things that i personally believe drive 
everything in the markets. Okay. And it is the supply of money or the velocity of money in the economy. Right. And then the interest rate is how purchasing power is being changed. Right. So most of it is money supply. If you think about what that means, every time the Federal Reserve is changing interest rates, it's just changing how easily money can move around in the economy. Like, why is housing so expensive? And well, it is expensive by almost every measure. So because cheap. interest rates are so cheap, right. so people you, can borrow more money. Exactly. It's a high supply of money to chase a finite amount of asset, right? There's, there, inventory is really low. And then we had things like forest fires that took inventory out of the market. People needed houses, too. So that's just locally, but all over the place. Inventory is low. And COVID changed that dynamic too, right? So, so if there's not a lot of houses for sale and you can get access to money relatively easy and cheap, people will pay a lot to get those houses. Well, and especially if you foresee that interest rates are going to go up, right? So your borrowing power is going to go down based right. on your current income. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of a rush of like, we better get it now while the interest rates are so low. I suspect, so the sense of urgency I suspect all of that is going on. Here's the stat that was really telling to me. Uh, apparently, the Case-Shiller index, I think, was released in the December home prices. So in December, home prices went up like 10%. Wow. Year in, or year? Or no. For the month November of December. What? December. No. D well, from December 1 to December 31, yeah. like a 10% increase in prices. Not over a year, like over a month. Now, maybe I'm mistaken about that, but I am pretty sure it's exactly what I heard on my Bloomberg Market Minute this morning. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Well, there's, I mean, my husband sells real estate and we look at houses all the time and there's some houses I'm looking at and I'm like, that is worth half of what you're asking for well, right now. And as a real estate investor, I'm looking at the, one of the, one of the metrics is cap rating, right? And when you start to see cap ratings that are the same as a 10-year treasury, I find myself going, why, why would I want to do that? Yeah. Why would I take the risk of an asset that could potentially cost me money and, and when, I, when, I, when I do a riskless transaction for the same return? Right. And the answer would have to be, there isn't any place else to put the money. In, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to is, uh, yeah. And my, my sense, and I, you know, I have to be really careful that this show, we don't give investment advice. Right. No. We do that personally. You want off advice for you personally, you come to our office. Right. Right. And you call us to make an appointment at five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight. Subtle pitch. Good job. So the idea though swing for the fences. Is <laughs> always swing for the fences. And then yeah, we so. talk about our goals and where we yeah. want to be. Yeah. And we do all the well, we well, so the but money. the individual advice is exactly that. It's personalized. On the radio show we don't talk about the advice, but I can tell you without saying this is advice, the market looks expensive to me right now. By most of the metrics. And when you start to see things like Bitcoin swinging 11, 12, 13% in a day, or Tesla swinging 10% in a day. Of course, these were very speculative stocks with a lot of players already in there. But it's it's interesting to me because I see the markets as, I see them as expensive, but does that mean the markets are going to crash? Hmm. I think that's the question on a lot of investors' yeah. mind. And while I cannot say, no, it doesn't mean that, I can certainly say it by no means guarantees it. Does that mean that the market must be going higher? I don't know. Also, no, it does not mean that. If you think about, here's a strange concept, but what if corporate earnings went up because we were 
printing money and it was making its way into the economy by way of stimulus and otherwise. So we actually saw earnings go up for companies. But because of the perception of inflation, we saw the valuations begin to decline. So people were willing to pay less for those earnings. You could see price to earnings ratios fall, but the earnings go up and the market could kind of just move sideways. And so that's the interesting thing. And when I talk about all of this today, my thread was, well, interest rates are wagging the dog on this thing. The Federal Reserve is doing everything it can to manipulate that interest rate curve. We're starting to see inflation sneak into the marketplace, but assets are already way overpriced based on the availability of capital and the supply constraints in a lot of areas. So if the economy reopens and that dam breaks, you could actually see corporate earnings go up, but the valuations come down. It's neither a stock market crash nor a big rally. It's just a big sideways, huh? So it's a lot of splashing around in the water, but not really going anywhere. It's possible. So. There you go. So, uh, and you know, I still, as I like to say on the show, I reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> it, Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All of those oh, things. Very and, you know, well said, Derek. I appreciate uh, that. You know, my attorneys here to help manage our liability. Well, look, as we near the end of our time today, uh, I always like to do this. You know, we are local professionals. Of course, we are also out there on the online sphere. And so, uh, Derek, how can folks reach you if they need fantastic legal advice? They should look at or how can they if they just need your legal advice? Yes, yes. <laughs> SeriousBusiness.law. SeriousBusiness.law. I love that it's a dot law. That's kind of fun. It is. And Katie, how do they reach us? So it's littlejohnfs.com or 541-375-0898. All right. You want to share a phone number? Sure. 677-7185 is Simmons Law. All right. There you go. So look, uh, those are the biggies, but we are, I think. Yep, there's the music. We're out of time, so we better run. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Eric Simmons. You've been listening to True Wealth. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views...